Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. Episode 9, Self-Publishing, Production, and Fulfillment. Recorded at Metatopia 2012 by Fred Hicks. Presented by Fred Hicks, Darren Watts, and Jim Proctor. Uh, so, I mean, are you guys here, uh, you know, I presume some of you at least are here as uh, prospective publishers or uh, recently kind of, you know, come into the field of publishing. Um, what are the kind of questions that you guys would like to see us talk, cover up here and, and talk about so that this would be actually handy for you rather than just us kind of blathering on about our own so if, ideas? So if I've never been a publisher before, I've come here to kind of talk about what it is to be a publisher. Okay. What kind of questions would I have that I don't know what I have? Well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> where, you want to be a publisher. Where are you in that process of it? Do you have a game? Do you have an idea of a game? A Do you game. have a... It's a board game. It's, it's kind of what I'm going for. Okay. Board games, i got my concept. i got my paper sample. I've done some play tests with family and, and close ones. And I'm ready to move on to the next step. Okay. Uh, do you have uh, like a prototype for the game already? And uh, like paper type. Okay. If only someone up here had just made a board game for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. How about that? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we're we're in a very interesting time with Kickstarter enabling folks to essentially test whether at least the pitch of a game is interesting enough to get, to get people to to buy it and or commit to buy it in quantity. Um, but uh, good lord, uh, I. I almost think that uh, like board games are the wrong end of games to try to dive into the first time. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, but there's there's so many moving parts to uh, them that uh, had I not had uh, you know several years to build up simply learning the ins and outs of making just books uh, uh, b- behind me, I I would have you know stumbled over things in a lot of ways. I'd start honestly by figuring out who your team is that's going to get you to the finish line. Um, because if you don't have a body of experience in some sort of related stuff, you need to start thinking about how you're going to rent that experience um, uh, from other people. Um, and that, that, that's going to have a certain potential financial investment element to it. Right. Um, so precisely what mechanically is, I mean, what physically is going into your game? I mean, is it simply a board? Does it also have bits and pieces that you need to... Uh... It, has, it has markers, it has a deck of cards, it even has a moving piece on the board. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking to some of the manufacturers, and some say, oh, we can't do anything like this. Yeah, I mean, actually, you're, you're doing a very good next step. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, talking to talking manufacturers, manufacturers and printers start, is absolutely who you need quotes. to start. Right. Yes. And, and I've got, like, an artist that I'm... You know, I've gone through and I've talked like like 25 artists and narrowed it down to one or two people that I'm going to work with. Uh, I haven't really looked at fulfillment. I saw that that was also listed sure. on the thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all the steps. Some of, the, some of those pieces that you're looking at are not necessarily the pieces that I would look at until I started to get to the point where I think, I'm, okay, I'm ready to start finishing this. Right. Right? There's the, the, the finishing process comes after... Um, the editing, fairly wide-scale playtesting, and uh, uh, a certain amount of budgetary feasibility. Right. Uh, 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 means testing. Means testing, this. right. You know, because if it, if it turns out that the thing that you uh, want to make is going to require you know, eight custom dies that are each going to cost 
uh, several hundred to, a to several thousand dollars each up front to, to, to get. And the only way to make the certain components of it at all affordable uh, uh, is to print 10,000 units and, you're, and you don't necessarily have like a, a fairly big name uh, to put on the cover um, or uh, an intellectual property to attach to it that is going to intrinsically draw people to that. You're going to find yourself with you know, 9,900 copies that didn't move. Right. Um, uh, so uh, especially in board game land, the, the minimums that you're going to f uh, face for production uh, are going to be pretty huge. Now that's starting to change with, uh, you know, there's starting to be uh, a few operations out there that uh, can do some, uh, do within certain constraints, uh, some print-on-demand-esque stuff with board games. Right. But that stuff uh, is in its very infancy right now. And there's, there's uh, another panel that does cards well-ish. There's another panel we're going to do uh, at some point over this weekend um, where the fundamental question is, is this a project that I can do myself? Is, is this a DIY project, or is this the sort of thing that I should be hooking up with an existing publisher for? And that's a fairly early in the process question that you really have to kind of like have settled. And uh, for a board game, it becomes even more, you know, kind of a vital question. Is this something that is even plausible for me or me and my small group of friends or me and the people I can afford to pay out of my pocket? can actually come up with or is this do I have this great idea for a board game that I'm never going to be able to make myself and I really should be bringing it to FFG or something like that and trying to sell it to them or to some other existing publisher um, obviously if you do that you are giving up a lot of the control you are giving up you know like the possibility of getting the smash hit for yourself and getting to keep all the money you know that you can but on the other hand it may be the only way that it happens at all. And it may be the way that it saves you from, as you say, winding up with 9,000 copies in your garage for the rest of your life. Do you look um, at the, like, the diversity of your components as an enemy that you need to conquer <laughs> to some extent? Um, uh, for example, uh, with Race to Adventure, originally we were going to do uh, some portions of the game with uh, cards, uh, like printed on cardstock, uh, and some portions of it as punched board components. Um, and over the course of talking uh, through with a few manufacturers and then zeroing in on one and talking through some elements there, it came out that uh, uh, our cards component was actually way more expensive than we expected it to be because it was another type of thing that the game needed to be. So we just said, okay, well, we're just going to, since the cards were going to be modular board type stuff, we're just going to make all of that punch board components, and yeah, we're going to have some die costs of uh, uh, you know, die right. casting uh, stuff up front that needed to be uh, uh, addressed, but... But it wasn't by, a whole other form of manufacturing by, to yeah, get out exactly, into. By, right. by, by eliminating the diversity, by essentially making it such that all the components could be printed from a single source. Right. Because uh, often the manufacturer that you're talking to is is actually a coordinating front that is dealing with many different manufacturers. I talked to these card printers over here, these box makers over here, and these people who make the, right. uh, you know, things like that. You're, um, you're, you're reducing the amount of work that they're going to have to do, the amount of coordination and simultaneous, how are we going to get these four cats to all herd in this direction. Right. Um, so see, see, see how much you can dial it in to make it all of one kind of material or one particular kind of thing. We're using standard issue things like, okay, meeples. Yeah. Is this a game that can by. be done with meeples or with pawns or with, you know, because you can get those mass manufactured considerably cheaper. Are the, can the cards be made on standard playing card stock? 
you know, can I get ODT to just print me out a bunch of playing cards with like a particular image on them or whatever, as opposed to, you know, having to go out and get something that's a different size that comes in a different cut or whatever, you know. Actually, Jim, my question is for you. With a project like this, why are you not thinking about what he is going to do to sell it? Sure. Because the thing is that when this happens, in that moment, you need to focus on what the features of your game are going to be. And there need to be no more than four or five of them such that you can easily outline well, this the isn't, entire process of the game in 15 seconds. Right. This isn't an editorial, like, what is your game about question, though. We're yeah. presuming at this point that he's already made that. Okay. I, I, and I assume that you have. He's, he's not wrong. The questions right. do need to be asked. Right. But, you but, know, but, at, at, at this point, we're assuming you already have decided that come up with something that you feel is retailer ready, yeah. you know, is ready for the marketplace. Yeah. And now how do I physically make it? Figure out how not to waste more than five minutes of their time explaining why you need their help. And the fact right. that... The the fact that you're here, I think, presumes that you're interested, that, right. that, that you have a niche hobby game and not something that you're looking to be, you know, like a like a Milton Bradley target type, sure. of, type of game or something like that. Because if it is, you're probably in the wrong place. <laughs> but, but, for, you know. but if you've got a hobby thing, well, if you if you have something that you that starts in the hobby, maybe it can break out, you know, but right. like there's, you know, there's there's. You know, you get one Settlers of Catan a year. You get one Blockus a year, pretty much. And, and sure. you don't want to. And, and if you, if that's what you're looking for, you should you should go at it from that angle, uh, and not try to start in the hobby and you know hope that it's yeah. Clearly, that's not a DIY project yeah. For, yeah. The, for the most sure, part. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, designers who are here. Right? James has worked in you know like big end stuff. Oh, yeah. Ford's Debonacore has done. You know, some like high-end games. It's clearly that's they are still connected to the hobby. But like I said, that's a decision you have to make up front with the game. Is is this something that's even reasonable for me to imagine that I could handle this myself, right. or is this you know something that's going to require the resources of an entire company other than me behind it? And not everything to has to. I mean, and and we're happy. Not everything has to have Fantasy Flight or Rio Grande production values if it's a good game with an interesting idea and I love the fact that you happen to have that with you mm-hmm. right Sure, now. right. Because that is that's a an exa- excellent example simple of one. Yes. thing that somebody did, but that is just that the idea of it and the play of it is so cool that the fact that it's not big, you know, super duper color, you know, the, the you know three D and stuff like that, everything it, it it still works and people will still you know will will, right. will still pay. Steve Jackson Games was built upon a big pile of cardboard chips. Yes, yeah. sure. <laughs> well, is, yeah. is the cheap ass games production model? I was yeah, going to say right yeah. exactly. Yeah, cheap ass is the is the you know. The, the DIY uh, example, Ooh, you know, pardon, the, sorry. the how to do I'll, this. I'll, I will shut that off. My apologies. Um, so, uh, is Did there a at the back with a question? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if he's yeah, if he's done at least for now or whatever, sure. I just jump wanted on. to kind of follow up. You mentioned that he's talked to twenty-five different manufacturers or whatever. Uh, where do I go to get that list of manufacturers to talk to? I mean, I'm aware of. Oof. You know, yeah. big, you know, Andy Games is out there, and Grand Prix International is out there, but but what about the the rest of the list of manufacturers that can be uh, talked to? I, I can tell you, I still haven't solved that. I was going to say, <laughs> the, honestly, the, the the best thing I can tell you for it is that uh, go to people who have made games similar to what you have done, go to the actual like publishers themselves, and within reason, don't be a pest, but you know, like go to cons or whatever, or contact them directly and ask them who they use. 
the, these aren't trade. Well, they're it, trade. They're trade secrets to a certain extent. I mean, like the it, nature well, of their relationship. If you're, but they'll give you the name of the if company. If you're trying to ask Chessex where they get their awesome, pretty dice made, you're going to get a very cagey answer. Right. If you if you walk up to like ten different board game companies and say, "Hey, where, who's printing your games?" You're going to get a lot of answers, and there's going to be a lot of overlap between them, and you can pay right. attention to that overlap. And you can kind of build that up, and you know, kind of like get to the get to the sense of who is out there. I mean, you're going to hear if you're going to a card game company, you're going to hear the same names of printers of cards, you know, over and over again. You say, oh, I went to a ODT, I went to, you know, USBC, yeah. whatever. You know, you're going to get the same three or four printers will come up over and over again, and that will pretty clearly show you that these are, you know, the standard of the industry. You know, you, they're going to be in the middle of the price range, uh, and they're going to have a lot of production because they're the ones that everybody winds up going to. They're the choice for the majority of the publishers, you know, you're going to find the same names over and over again. I mean, is this kind of inside baseball kind of stuff, things that you can find, like if you drill down to the right threads on BoardGameGeek? I mean, are they sometimes enough yeah. into sometimes, it that yeah. this is actually... I, would, I think you can do it faster by going straight to the publishers. Oh, sure. But yeah, yeah. but BGG yeah. and other places on the internet will also Yeah, I, I find that there's a lot that of false internet. signal out on, on, on the okay. internet, so that, that, that's sure. part of the problem yeah. there, is that, yeah. yes, you absolutely could come across these names and such that they will sound familiar to you when the manufacturer that you, or the publisher that you really should be talking to uh, brings them up. Right. Um, but uh, you'll also get a lot of fly-by-night operations or things that used to be under one name and is another right. name. Or my cousin's company that he's just starting, yeah. or whatever, and I've I decided mean, to promote them. I, I, I think the really valuable... Right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. But I think the really valuable piece you're going to get from talking to a publisher directly is you can also often get like who their contact <laughs> person is. Right, and yes. that's gold Who's because usually the Who's person there? who is yeah. the contact person that someone is sharing with you is the person who's who has been generally very good at picking up the phone and or answering by email. You might also want to ask that question: Do you often interact with this person by email or by, by phone? Because I certainly know that uh, I want to find contact people who are very responsive by email because uh, with two small kids in the house, I can't really have a reliable conversation on the phone. Um, so that that element is 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 an important uh, element of it too. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, on some cost saving stuff, I've done some research on it because I, I still don't know exactly how to put it together working really. But I've, I've found that there are some standard boxes and dies that aren't proprietary to companies. So you can find that mm-hmm. this manufacturer that does boxes does a box of this size. If your game can fit in that size, you don't have to pay for the box anymore. Right. You just have to pay to put a cover on cer- cer- Certainly, pack, you pack, that, I guess. It, well, uh, but uh, that also depends manufacturer to manufacturer. Some manufacturers uh, are uh, making a custom box cutting die for that pu- for that publisher that that publisher then essentially owns and that you couldn't then use. But other other manufacturers. Ha- are, are making so many games. So, for example, uh, for Race to Adventure, we're uh, using a German operation called Ludofact. They print <coughs> many of the games you've heard of. Um, uh, and they have a spreadsheet that they can send you, which is hundreds of rows long of right. all of the different box sizes that they've already got a die for. Yeah, that's what um, Right, yeah. yeah. That, already and so you'll either find that or you'll find a, a uh, manufacturer who's like, we can't share this other person because it's it's there. It equipment. belongs to them, right. It's a die specific for that game or whatever. Sure. Well, back, and backing up the meeples and the other standard components, um, I found that if you can make your cards the size of playing cards and are satisfied with playing card stock, yeah. inexpensive and easy to get. Bridge, bridge or poker. Right, bridge or poker. Zero in on that. You're, you, you, if you got somebody that can print those, 
it's significantly less than getting a custom car. Right. Uh, I found if you find somebody that is doing that that makes lots and lots of like cuts for <coughs> for counters already. If you if you can do one inch square counters and you can make your game work with one inch square counters, you can find something. Sure. And, and you don't. You're not. It's not just that one size. There's the, for each of these things. There are several well, yeah, kind of like options, standard right. sizes. I mean, it's 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 obviously it's really easy to find people who can you know make you cards in playing card size. It's also really easy Pardon to find people who can make Sorry. you cards in the car, the size whatever the size is of like chance and community chest cards from for Monopoly. You know, which is a different size, but whatever that is, it's a very common standard size that's offered so by a lot of people. Yeah, the kind of business cardy size. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or you know, like of other different, very yeah. common you know variations. And if your game can be made to use those, you can save a lot of money doing it that way. But it is absolutely vital that you get quotes from at least your top four, top five, right? That you compile through this process, uh, because there is no such thing as a one manufacturer <coughs> fits all. Absolutely. Uh, uh, whether they whether the, the the fit falls away due to and having a bottom range in terms of quantity that uh, you can have printed, or whether it's because you know th- they are better at doing anything that's punch board components, and if you do cards well, they can outsource that, but there's going to be an upcharge, and they have to coordinate that. Right. You know, yeah, so you're going to get a very wide range in terms of the the, the kind of cash outlay that you're probably going to have to save. <laughs> that meta concept for a moment. Let's say that let's say that your idea is 100% foolproof. Mm-hmm. Why don't you build a no. game? Uh, why did you build a game about making casinos in Las Vegas or a gambling city like Atlantic City or Las Vegas and building that city up? And you actually use real playing cards. And you just no, put a couple sets of playing cards in the deck. Saves you a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, standard, standard components are here. Already All right, sure. sure. But yeah. there's, there's an assembly process here. Yeah. Right. Still, yes. Because a lot of these things, if, you, if you're going full-on, genuine DIY, you're going to be putting these things together and assembling these boxes then yes, you can save a lot of money. You can save a huge amount of money. You're in your garage putting stuff in Exactly. Every cheap-ass game that you bought, you know, like one of three people that we all know for this filled that bag, you know, with the components for your original unexploded cow. Expect either to uh, lose many, 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 many weekends, you know, where did my autumn go kind of of things if if you go that route. Or expect to buy a very tall stack of pizzas and get all of your friends to come right. over and help do an assembly party. Right, uh, and that's certainly doable. Uh, you know, we have people here at the show can tell you their stories of yeah. how they did well, that. Yeah, we made a, a, a limited edition of uh, fudge dice, just you know, little little cube oh, right. with yeah. three different three different colors in it, and I filled my basement with folks local who could come over. And I said, "You got to walk away with some dice of your own. I'm going to feed you some pizza." And you're going to do nothing but count out four of each of these three different colors, put in a little plastic cube, and, and put a lid on it. Um, and that got us, uh, by the end of that evening, 2,000 or so cubes uh, uh, assembled. And th- they made very quick work of it. Um, uh, and it only cost pizza, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> pizza and love. Or the, uh, there are a lot of right. very clever things you see that something that's popular for people who are cutting corners is to use VHS. <coughs> right. Be very wary of those. Be wary, uh, absolutely. Uh, I would do a crush test on them. Yes. Sit on them right. and see how they break. But because you can do an insert for them, that actually... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a common enough... Thing. Is it okay? Yeah, again, that, that, that actually goes loops back like around to the whole standard issue components thing. Yeah. Sometimes your box is a standard the issue component. The guy didn't know what the delay on it was. <laughs> um... Okay, uh, so uh, 
I think we, I feel like we've talked around the, the board game side of this. Or does anyone have questions around uh, like uh, book production or anything of that that sort? Yeah, people or, are, or different. Produce, or is everybody here making a? Board I feel game like we're all sort, we're, we we spent a lot of time trying to attack one particular kind of problem. I just want to hear if anyone has <coughs> another one. Go ahead. So assuming we get the cost down as low as we can, yep. Like, what kind of profit margin do you have to, you know, do you want to put on that? Like, how much? Well, do you want it to show up on this guy's shelf, or do you just want to sell it from your website? Um, you know, we don't have a website. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right? Okay. Well, you can get a website. They're not hard. So. But it's like it's sort of a, you know, what what can you kind of expect someone to pay for a game they've never heard of and like. Do you have any guidelines that they've never heard of? Possibly nothing. Well, actually, I, I, that, that, that sounds flip, but right. uh, par, part of the process here is uh, not just figuring out how to manufacture your game, because guess what? That's actually, once you compress it down, is actually just step one. And right. it's, uh, there's a lot of trying to figure out how to sell uh, the game, how to f try and figure it, out yeah, how to Yeah, it's also your job to make to sure I've heard of your game, game et cetera, and, so. and figure out how to, how to pitch your game, all, all this stuff. Right. The marketing stuff and getting into a retail channel and so, so forth is, is kind of interesting. So there's there's a lot of sort of steps and questions that need to be addressed between in the space between what you're asking and what is I'm sure. So that I think. Well, here's yeah. So like, I can give you a very basic outline just so you kind of have an idea of the process without going into specifics on not knowing what your game is or what's included in it. But for every dollar that uh, that uh, Mike the customer here pays to buy a game. So he's buying a $1 game out of that process. On average, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing wildly, these are not exact figures, but you can approximately figure, 40 cents or so of that goes to Jim in the store for it. Um, Jim may or may have bought that directly from you. Between 45 and 50 cents of that goes to Jim. Well, store. it depends on. Yeah, no, you're right. Fifty cents. Okay. You're right. I did the wrong side. Right. Fifty <laughs> cents goes to Jim in the store. If, if, right. Exactly. If, if Jim only you're gets if Jim only gets forty cents on your game, he's not putting on. You are shelf. absolutely correct. I came from the wrong side. <laughs> Fifty cents of that goes to Jim. But some retailers are are doing the the sixty percent. Yes, we'll do it occasionally, but no, but in general, yeah, you're right. in most circumstances, yeah, no, fifty is a more accurate number. Um, so fifty cents of that goes to Jim for this. Um, Jim either bought that directly from you or he bought it from a distributor. Um, he's probably more likely to have gotten it from a distributor because he works with the distributors. The distributor you know, sent him a catalog that had your game in it, uh, and it made it easier for Jim to actually do this. So the distributor themselves in that process also took 10 cents out of that dollar. Possibly 20. Possibly more. Once again, I'm generalizing wildly before, but just to... So in your best-case scenario, out of that dollar that he spent, 40 cents of that goes back to you. Best case scenario for this. And, uh, now, if you sold it directly to him, and you have some like means of doing that, and you have some reputation that meant that Jim has heard of you and might have gone to you directly for this, it might go up to as, as good as fifty-fifty. Yep. But that's still, you know, a, a, a best case scenario for you, and presumes that Jim had some reason to want to work with you directly in the first place. That your game was that awesome. And there are going to be transactional elements uh, in that forty cents that's coming to you. There are going to be transactional elements that are going to carve little percentage points off of it. Sure. That particular kind of deal. Like, like you I might, said, I'm starting from the broadest to the numbers. mid thirties. Yeah. And actually, uh, be all the way down to thirty if you have someone who's handling your sales and service for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're going to take a, a separate other problem, right? Exactly. If you're you being, have a distributor that distributes your book. 
along with other people's books to the distributors that distribute. And it's possible they've ordered the, the games from you yeah. and in such they're, a quantity they're handling that your fulfillment uh, you are your, paying for the know. shipping to get the product to them in the first place. So that's going to be right. It's all this stuff. Right. Somebody uh, like Aldo good, or whoever is doing it. The rule of thumb, though, is that uh, if you want something to get through all of this stuff that we've just talked about and end up on Jim's shelf, hopefully, uh, uh, you want to make sure that out of that 30 to 40 cents that you're going to be get, getting per dollar, um, that only about half of that is the actual cost of making the game. So what that comes Ideally down to is, again. is uh, you're, you're looking at a multiplier on your cost uh, for if you're really playing it a little rough uh, to six or higher. Uh, you, when I say or higher, I'm starting to say or China. Just, just hear that, right? Because there's, there's you're, you're, uh, usually when you're able to apply a multiplier like that is because you've gotten your costs ridiculously low. Um, uh, but uh, I find that with a lot of DIY, DIY stuff, whether you're doing a print-on-demand book or uh, you know a cheap-ass game kind of hand-assembled uh, 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 dealio, using them, you, you center around about a multiplier of five. So you've got it, it takes you about five bucks to produce the the unit. Um, uh, if you look at that and say, yes, someone would pay $25 for this, uh, then it is potentially retailer viable. Right, then it's a plausible product. If you product look at it and say people would only pay about 10 bucks for this, you're looking at something you're probably going to be hand-selling at conventions and on your website and, and so forth. And it's never really going to be able to make it to retail because you're not going to be able to discount it enough without taking a loss. Right. right. Um, also, just like kind of in terms of, like obviously a website is a, you know, a great thing to have. Like driving traffic to that, is that just through, like, um, I mean, is that through personal relationships and conventions and with, with stores? Uh, as much as you can, I was get people say, yeah. out into the world playing your game in front of people who haven't played it. Right. It's, word of mouth is, is the strongest possible way to do it. And part of the reason you might want to get into the distribution channel so that you can get into re retail stores is that retailers are, uh, you know, retailers' stores <laughs> are one of those locations outside of conventions where that play experience can potentially happen. And if we find something we like, um, yeah. we, we will be like really bad business people about the amount of time we devote to it and the amount of time we sure, spend I'll, talking I'll about it directly from you. And, and it's totally saving me money. And and where we you know like and where we put it in the store when we'd be much smarter putting something else in the store. So that can right. that yeah. can help it. You, you were talking about a, an entire class of people who love games so much that this yeah. is what they've chosen to do for a living when they almost certainly could be doing something much better and more productive with their time. Um, so you get the retailer emotionally involved. Absolutely. So if you can. And whenever possible. Uh, yeah. If okay. you can find even one retailer who is passionate enough about your game that he is go to suggestively way. sell it with everything else that he sells, right. and then you have done your job. And well, we're, we're you know you need more than one eventually, yeah. but yes, we're, we're, yeah. we're like any other profession. We all talk to each other, and you know yeah. we get together at GTS and all that well, stuff. And, and, and let's be honest here: if you want to get a retailer emotionally involved, okay, so you can drive and there's a lot of lot of conventions go to places. No one is going to sell your game better than you. You don't have to have a booth. You don't have to get That's not always true. Yeah, I was going to say, 
you hope that's the case, but some people. No one's going to be more Right. Nobody's going to work harder necessarily on it. That doesn't mean they're not gonna necessarily going to sell it better right. than you. There are plenty of people who are terrible salespeople and shouldn't be doing that for a living. Yes. I think it's time for you to tell the blasphemy story. No, not today. Yeah, yeah, we don't have time for that today. Yeah. I'll have a whole separate panel on that. I got the first one off the line. one one of the things I wanted to say is that that uh, you know. It, uh, again, this might sound flip. One of the ways to get a retailer emotionally involved is to help them make money, right? Uh, so don't just think about selling them your game. Think about how you can help them position your game such that it also sells other things, too, that might tie into it, right? Because mm-hmm. um, that, that's going to be a, a very interesting... Uh, uh, cross-sells are, are, are a big deal. So if, if you motivate the purchase of all these fudge dice that have potentially been you know, growing dust on their, on their dice shelves because no one's been playing fudge games, they're going to go, ooh, fate is kind of interesting, for example. Um, right. And uh, uh, you know, that, that is how you're, you're, you're contributing to the, the rising you know, water sort of thing. Sure. Gentlemen at the back. Yeah, so let's say you're going to soft distribution play. Um, how do you get into the real retail chain since you don't have the contacts that distributors have? What are the what are some suggestions or ideas about how you can get tied into the retail chain? The way one one thing that you can do is if you're gonna um, uh, this is one of the things that Kickstarter can do for mm-hmm. you is if you're gonna kickstart your game, include a, a tier there for retailers, and it may be that 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 is. That, that, that you don't make any money on that by getting your game into stores or something like that, or, or, or you make less money on selling them to retailers than you would selling a copy direct to somebody. But if you can put, you know, if you can put four or five copies, in a, you know, on a retailer's shelf at, at whatever, what, what they would consider their, their normal cost, you know, half off of, of cover, um, then, you know, we've committed to, you know, to, to board games, to RPGs, to you know, to, to, to stuff. Because if I think it's interesting, and I think it's interesting enough that I want it on my shelves, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be in distribution, or it's not going to be in distribution at a price that I can pick it up. Now I've got the luxury of having two stores, mm-hmm. which means that if like the buy-in is like five, I can go okay, I can put three in my big store and two in my smaller store. And, and that makes it possible. I want you to pay attention to the number that Jim was putting there. Five is not, you know, just off the top of his head. Uh, a, a lot of uh, retailers are not going to be able to move more than a small handful of your games. So don't think that putting out a, you know, 12, 20, 50 copy tier is going to hook your retailers because they're going to look at that and go, that's an awful lot of money I'm committing in advance for something that I'm not going to get for quite some time. Right, until the actual be product is done. More copies right. of Settlers of Catan. Um, right. You know, so you, and that's, you, you really and I, need to make that package as small and as affordable as you can. And, and I, in an ideal universe, even if you are going to put it out through distribution, um, uh, just throw us a little bone. You know, throw a couple of bonus dice in there or something, so that if we kickstart it, we get something special. Like we did the, you guys may notice that we have uh, Suro, Suro of the Seas, for sale over there. That's a game that's out in regular distribution. I could have waited and ordered it through Alliance, but in their Kickstarter. If you bought a dozen copies, which is a lot, that's a big that, that is, is a big huge commitment. Really but it's between two stores. It's for an established. It's you know a new version of an established bestseller. But we got bon- an extra set of t- bonus tiles, 
a little pin mm -hmm. and a set of dice for every copy that we ordered and those are just through Kickstarter. Yep. So that's like, okay, that is sufficient motivation for me to like, okay, I'll tie this money up for a few months that I otherwise wouldn't worry about. And I have a budget. I have a certain amount of money that I'm willing to set aside to do that, to do that kind of thing for if people, you know, if if the publisher offers me something a little special so that my store looks like I'm, you know, because a certain amount of that is 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 publicity for me, right? Yeah. And yeah. community building, and is saying, yeah, I'm tuned in enough to what's going on that I'm in on this special thing, and you know, and you could get it through Kickstarter, or you can wait till we have it in so you can see it, and 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 it's like you you did the Kickstarter because we have these bonus yeah. Kickstarter things. Race, race so, so. When we did the uh, race adventure Kickstarter, we. <coughs> Also, at, uh, the, an expansion to it funded fairly early on, and we made sure that the retailers are going to get the copies of those. So, you know, that's something that they could potentially sell for ten bucks additionally or whatever alongside yeah. uh, the the core game, or give it to their best customers, thereby you know keeping the loyalty thing. Whatever, however they choose to use it, however they choose to price it, is up to them. Um, uh, and it essentially, you know, even though we're uh, selling the core game to them at fifty percent off. That's a way that that then becomes a little bit of a softer thing and, and looks like more value for them. And the sure. other thing, and the other thing that you should do, and that I recommend that everybody does, if you have any interest in having your your game on store shelves at all, even if you're not going to go through regular distribution, even if you don't intend to have a you know write to us for copies or something like that, whenever you go to a con, make sure that you and the people that you're working with. Have a policy so that if a retailer walks up to you and says, "Hey, this game is really cool. How can I get some for my shop?" Have a way to say, "I can. I'll, I'll sell you four right now." Right. You know, just zip their card on Square or whatever, and you know, half half off. You know, have a little invoice or something. Program and, your register with a half off version. For yeah. Yes, yes, and just absolutely. you know, and just right. just just be ready to do it because that'll happen. People will, you know, we'll go and play something at a demo, and I am constantly astonished. That I will walk up to booths and I'll say, hey, I'm a retailer. What do you guys have for that? And I don't need to be told, yeah, we'll sell it to you right now. I've just handed a sheet or something like that. But that, like, like these people that are manufacturing these games and the little, especially the little small press stuff, they'll go, oh, wow, we never even thought about having it in stores. Yeah, and even you know, right. know it even just takes so a business yeah. card where you write on the back. Exactly. These are the race to adventure yeah. guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, but just, but, but, and, and that's real simple just to have a, a, a policy. Have it be ready so that when you go to local cons, when you go to Gen Con with it, you know, when you're playing it, if, if people hit you up for it, you're, you're, you're ready with an answer. Believe it or not, courtesy helps a lot here. Sure. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I work in a very aggressive sales business, so one of the things that I can tell you is this. If you're going to try and do that, make sure you try and take control of that sale in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Make sure that when you go up to them that you are a little more well-heeled than the surrounding people. You want to do something that makes you stand out without making you look ridiculous. You don't have to dress like me, but it might help you if you're seen as a professional. And the way that you do that is by having all of your agendas laid out clearly and within the first thirty seconds. Yeah, for I mean, for you know, for retailers, all all we want is to is to have an answer to sound like for, for you to sound like you've thought about it and have a you know and and, and tell us what we need to do. Yeah, it's, it's, retailers don't all that much. Yeah. If you if you want to get that the, the 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 opposite of the positive emotional investment of a retailer, make it look like you didn't think about them. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> that it was never. Like, oh well. Pfft. 
Yeah. And, Game know. stores? Do they still have those? Yeah. <laughs> what about distributors? Do they uh, they buy off of the Kickstarter as Distri- well? Or I, I, you know, the, I have never seen an actual distributor purchase from Kickstarter. No. I have seen distributors buy stuff that get that got Kickstarter originally. That's not necessarily like going to stop them from wanting the and product. K- for Kickstarter it. recently but, explicitly changed their rules so that you can't. Offer right, you can't offer distribution large quantities. quantities for it. 10, right. 10 is the max now, yeah, right? Yeah. Like Which is fine for retailers. And, and in yeah, fact, I think sure. there's a lot of bitching for retailers that cause them to add that. I think that's them. where the number. They, they, they were at just from, one. Right. And then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are ways you can dodge it. Right? Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, I'm sure. It's, you know. <laughs> I don't doubt that. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, any sales. Experience. We're, I mean, we're talking a lot about sales here, but that's that's the reality of DIY is that you're going to be doing a lot of footwork and a lot of, you know, personal selling of things. Um, uh, but uh, uh, if, while any sales relationship has an emotional component to it, a relationship component to it, I, I feel like that is most sanded down when you're dealing with distribution. You really just need to. Uh, the, the way to get a uh, distributor interested is to have numbers that fucking make sense. <laughs> I mean, sure, right. know, the, 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 the numbers just have to make sense. They need to be able to buy things from you. You need to have a reasonable minimum at which you'll pick up the tab on the on, on the shipping, um, and uh, uh, you can't push too too hard to sell things at, to them at anything more than forty ish percent of your cover price. And be okay, okay with getting paid in ninety days instead of the thirty they tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuff I, I, like that. I mean, so. for for us, uh, uh, we uh, other than uh, uh, using Indie Press Revolution, uh, we which simply, we should probably mention. which is a great way to get a kind a, a distribution like experience at least without um, getting in with like a really big one. Um, uh, uh, we avoided traditional distribution until we had the Dresden Files role-playing game property ready to go. And because that was it, had, you know, had a strong IP uh, associated with it, uh, that meant that then distributors were coming to us and saying, what would it take for us to get you to right. start working with us? So at that point, the power had shifted to me a little bit. And I could say, okay, I want a few more percentage points than 40%. You know, I, I want net 30 payment terms, et cetera, you know, stuff like that. Right. And I could push for that. But... You know, as an unknown with a but, with but at a that point that, you had already had four or five successful indie games them. and yeah you know uh, if they are not coming to you then you're going to have to make a number of concessions and hopefully have worked your numbers such that they make sense. There are alternatives to traditional distribution like Indie Press Revolution, which is if you are not familiar with it, is a sort of a sales collective of small presses um, that provide kind of a, a catered uh, curated list of products that have already been. Less curated than it might have been at one time, but well, yes, sure. but still, still it's, a it, it's exactly right. And again, yeah, you'll, there, you'll there get, is a presumption. You'll get a little bit of convention representation out of out of the deal. You'll right. get uh, you'll get You'll get actually right, a fairly right. smart. And I'm not just saying this blows my big Jim. That's a benefit. Um, uh, uh, you'll get a very good set of retailers because right. retailers who, have they, who already have a relationship with IPR are actually living somewhat outside of the standard retailer comfort zone. Like, yeah, anyway. I mean, like, right. like if you go through IPR, your games are only going to be in a hundred stores, but it's a hundred stores that that it's worth having those games in. Yes. So yes, right, yeah. right. Now, because right. IPR's product selection tends to be just a little bit different from what they're getting with the with the with the big guys because of some of that barrier of entry. Right, because of IPR's concentration on small press stuff. Yeah. So, 
and there are other there, you know other places that you can go to besides that. I mean, Absolutely. you know that 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 do similar things. that the IPR does it best of the people who do that. But there and are other. The, also, to set expectations there, you're, in terms of your your take home on on retail sale retailer sales made through IPR, you're still going to be seeing numbers similar to what you'd be getting if you were in a, right. in a distribution uh, uh, sure. arrangement with one of the big guys, but. Um, but there are a few added but, but IPR is already yeah is already kind of like attuned to the idea of like working with small presses and uh, yeah exactly you know has familiarity with how the process works it's going to be a more familiar more, ground to tread yeah exactly it's considerably easier to get IPR on the phone to talk about your small indie game than it is to get uh, you know Alliance yeah. to uh, talk about your small indie game well, but I mean so, if you notice if you look at the math there, there's a reason some people will still sell themselves Sure. Because oh yeah, if that, if that game costs you five dollars to make and you're selling it for thirty bucks, it is really nice to be able to pocket that twenty-five dollar difference. Yep. Yeah. But if you don't mind keeping five hundred copies in your basement and right. carting them to yeah. the store, yeah. right? Another thing IPR will do is they've got a warehouse for you, so uh, you know they'll hold all your games for you if they want. If you want to. There's a lot of, there's a lot of work. So. Yeah, I, w- I will tell you about IPR. Their their warehouse is uh, actually literally across the street from Burning Man, uh, so they've got this whole big desert. And nothing but space to build more warehouses on it. <laughs> exactly. And as so it turns out, the desert is a great place cheap. to keep games because it's dry. Yeah. There's no, you know, you, yeah. Yep. There's no mold. There's no nothing. Yep. Turns out to be a fabulous place to in a you know like sealed warehouse to keep all of this product. And you know the IPR guys live on the property, so it's you know they're there 24 hours a day. It's you a, should, it's a, you should also be careful about falling into the trap, and this is one of the things that I, I did in the first couple of years in the store, of, uh, um, like, if you sell that game yourself, in, like, you could sell it for 5 bucks to a distributor, or you could sell it for, you know, 30 yourself. That extra 25 bucks is awesome, but if you paid two grand for a booth at Gen Con, and yeah, two right. grand for plane tickets, and yeah. 800 for a hotel room, then suddenly that's a whole that lot of sales you had to make yourself. bucks gets eaten yeah. up very, very quickly. Right. So exactly. it's a question of, you know, where are you going to put your resources, and, you know, how much do you want other people to do stuff for you, so that, you know, if, if this is your baby, and you have a full-time job, and you're doing something else, then that's totally cool, but if you want to make a, a go of it as a career... You know, you want to get that sucker, get it done, get it out the door, and be working on the next thing, yep. and let other people do all the rest of that crap, and hopefully you're selling enough which, of it. Which is why the, the only year that Evil Hat had its own uh, booth uh, was the year that we were releasing the Dresden Files RPG at Origins, right? That that made a lot of sense uh, uh, for us um, uh, in terms of the ability to sell enough to make more than the cost of attending the convention. Right. Uh, directly, but uh, you know, when we uh, sell through IPR, attending a convention for us, we get the money that we get we get if they had sold it to a retailer, um, and that might seem that might sound like a, a hell of a cut to take. But on the other hand, I'm not working myself sick during that convention. If I go to the convention, right. and I you might didn't pay for that booth. The book is for sale in a booth you didn't uh, pay for. Yeah, that's lovely. And, and and the costs of attending the convention are essentially subsumed in the, in the the cut that's going to IPR and right. and beyond. So. So does that IPR then become like a fulfillment? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How much does it cost to do that? Uh. Okay. Well. Uh, Assuming that you're using their website as the, as your as your online sales presence and so forth, um, if you're selling a PDF product through them, these are these numbers may be wrong because of age, um, uh, but I believe you get seventy five percent of uh, uh, the PDF that you sell, uh, 
what is it? I'm gonna 70 say 44 of, of the. Well, yeah. If you're if you're selling to if you if you're selling at, if you're making a retail sale sale through IPR, you're getting 44 percent of your cover price. If you're making a direct sale of a physical product to to just to right. the customer, right? Then it's I think it's like 75 percent that you get. It's 70. 70, 70 percent. Yeah. And then if it's a PDF, you're getting 75 percent of it. Yeah. Um, PDF uh, actually, I think is 80 now. Yeah. I think that you get. Uh, and I, if you use IPR directly to like fulfill some orders for you, like you made some some sales of your own on your own, own right. thing, but you're actually shunting all these orders over them to ship for you. Um, I think Jason usually does a deal for you where it's like a, a dollar per shipment plus twenty cents per item in the shipment or something like that. Right. Uh, on plus whatever the actual cost of posting. <laughs> Um, right, which can be added to your sale. I mean, you can try yeah, pass yeah, that on can, to the customer. You can pass that on There's to the a, customer. A shipping and handling charge will be passed on to the customer yeah, for that. So. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. It's a per, it's, it's, there's one, yeah. yeah, these rights a dollar are, plus some number per I'm unit. Saying, you look at a what you've done contract, it. that's another thing, you know. And there's lots of guys in the industry that have fulfillment in, in fact, On top of that charge, of course, there's also, depending on how much you're storing with him for it, you also pay a per pallet fee per year to have product in his warehouse. Yeah. But it's a completely low, it's like, I don't know, 15 bucks a pallet a year or right, something exactly. like that, whatever it turns out to be. Yeah. But there is, yeah. the, that all does stack up. It's a contract that you signed at the beginning with them for it. And there are other operations out there, including big distributors who will also do fulfillment um, things. There's even fulfillment by Amazon, although by everything that I've learned about that, stay the hell away from that. Yeah. Uh, but like even Alliance uh, uh, does a uh, fulfillment agreement, and that's I, how we're doing. Uh, I would not with them recommend right fulfilling through a distribution house if you plan on fulfilling it to selling to other distributors, because a lot of other distributors will be. <coughs> I haven't had too much trouble with using Alliance in that context, but I, I do understand. I, 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 I agree that there's occasionally like some hard feelings about it, but on the other hand, if they want your product, they'll put up with it. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, yep. it's, they will tolerate working with well, Alliance, and, especially if it's Alliance, yeah, because especially everybody Alliance, knows... Alliance is essentially at the top, is, of, the top of that Exactly. Game. There's, so they are the, they are the big like, fish well, in that particular product. we're not going to get it at all, and we don't want to see another product get stamped with Alliance exclusive. So i, I got to roll back to my booth, but oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to let everybody know, if you haven't had a chance to see, I'm actually the, the sole vendor of record here so I've got uh, games and stuff for sale but if anybody wants to just uh, uh, come up when I'm not in the middle of ringing some up, someone up and bend my ear about this stuff I'm more than happy to talk to you I'm pretty much going to be sitting there the whole time except for another panel or two probably so yeah, the, 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 the gym is a huge resource thank you very much Absolutely, yeah, please do take advantage of them and thank you huh? thank you we're joining in <laughs>